Welcome to the RotoRob.com Fantasy Football Weekly plus ATS Picks. Each week, your hosts Josh Johnson and Nick Wagner will give you goods to help you win your fantasy football crowd. Talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Welcome to the Road Over uh, Fantasy Football Weekly Plus uh, Draft Primer. I guess is what we're calling it today. Uh, I am Joshua Johnson. Uh, with me, as always, is. Nick, hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Let's get an intro music going here. That's what I'm talking about. And possibly joining us from the line at the DMV office, it uh, is V the Noble One, Vane Harare. What's up, Vane? Hold on. I got some music for you, bud. Yeah. 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 Switch it up a little bit. Yeah, mixing it up. Uh, So, this is the Roto-Rob Fantasy Football Weekly Plus Draft Primer is what I'm going to call it today. We'll see what I call it next week. Um, Like I said, got Nick, I got Bonnie. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, Jacob Chaber. Uh, from Addicted to Quack is going to stop by, talk about some Ducks prospects. Uh, Ty Gregorock, I uh, really hope I'm getting that last name right. He's the defensive coordinator from the University of Montana. Going to talk to us about some prospects there. And University of South Dakota defensive coordinator Jason Petrino is going to stop by to talk about local star in my area, Tyler Star. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, um, we're going to start out by me talking about if I ran a Dallas Cowboys, um, and then later we'll get to some Tony Gonzalez comments and then finally end with uh, uh, Nick Rance. It's going to be uh, serious, so we're going to start out fun and end on a serious note. Uh, make sure you check out the Road About Fantasy Baseball Weekly tomorrow night. Uh, his guest will be... NBA editor Bob Raymond, the Roto-Rob NBA editor, I should say. So we'll see if they can uh, keep the basketball talk out out of the baseball talk. But that is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on this same blog talk station. Now, first thing I have up for bid is what if I ran the Dallas Cowboys? Now, I'm, I, just, I have a little thing that's kind of been playing around in my head for a while, and I didn't really think much of it, but I, I keep – keeps coming back to me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say it on the podcast. Maybe Nick and V can just laugh it off and say whatever. But this is, this is what I got in mind. Now, Dallas has a decent first-round pick somewhere in the middle of the first round. Um, they also have Dez Bryant, who is in the last year of his contract. Now, I said uh, in, our, in our earlier uh, wire troll that was a more dynasty-geared that Bryant is in contract year, and you you know he's when he's a free agent, he's going to chase that greenback dollar. And I was talking about, you know, that's why you should franchise Terrence Williams. What if Dallas, especially if Jadavian Clowney doesn't go number one, what if Dallas trades Des Bryant to the Rams straight up for that pick and still retains their first-round pick? Maybe, maybe I don't know how the system works, and maybe this, this thought is – Ludicrous, but I thought I'd put it out there anyway. 
So when they trade Des Bryant to the Rams, you know the Rams are going to take a receiver at some point in time in the draft. What if they get Des Bryant and are able to sort of sign him for a couple of years or whatnot? They get that pick. Dallas still retains their first-round pick. Uh, they can either get Clowney or, you know, if they want to take a guy like Watkins that high, they certainly could do that too. Plus, almost every mock draft in the world has them taking ha-ha Clinton Dixon with that second pick of the first round. What do you think, guys? Am I crazy? Uh, I know I'm not crazier than Jerry Jones. What do you, what do you got for me, V? Um, you are not crazier than Jerry Jones, but barely. <laughs> you can't, no, not that. I'm not, this, listen, here's the thing. One thing about, one thing about Dallas is, is that I don't think that Dallas, Dallas has almost always had the pieces required to win. Even this year, they had a strong running game. They had, um, you know, they had, they have an adequate defense. It's just for whatever reason, like they're not smart enough to, to, to run these particular um, defenses that you seem to have in there. I mean, Dez is a great talent, and he's the 88. He's a Michael Irvin of right now. I don't think they would get rid of him um, almost under any circumstances just because he has the opportunity to kind of bring back that old uh, Cowboys-type lore of the 90s. Um, so I don't see that happening because, you know, with, with, with Jerry, it's not just about winning, clearly. It's about entertainment as well. So I don't see that happening. If you ran him... I think they would be a smooth and running machine, no doubt. But um, but but Jerry is going to get them on TV. So um, with those things said, I, I do I do not see that what happening. Um, but yeah, I do think they need to make some moves so that they can show up that you know so they can show up that defense. Um, so I'm I'm halfway with you. All right. Well, please bear in mind I am a Raiders fan. If so, people out there listening, if you don't know that, I am a Raiders fan. Uh, so I, I learned from the best in Al Davis. Uh, but, I mean, can you imagine if they got Clowney? Clowney and Ware, and if Lee was healthy in the middle? I mean, this defense really went downhill when Lee went down in that, in that Sunday night game against New Orleans. I mean, you clearly saw it. New Orleans just busted them up as soon as he left the game. I mean, he's a big part of that offense in the middle. Obviously, Ware's a beast. They had Clowney on the other side. That's kind of all I'm saying. Nick, what does the Redskins fan think? Uh, well, I agree with V that uh, Des Bryant is definitely a Jerry Jones type of player. So I think in that situation, Dallas is probably going to try to keep him, you know, but it's going to be tough. They have some salary cap issues that they're dealing with. You know, you brought up DeMarcus Ware. He's set to make, I think, $16 million this year. And he had a, kind of a down year last year. So they got some decisions to be made there. Maybe he can restructure his contract or something. Uh, yeah, if, if you were running the team or if, anybody other than Jerry Jones was running the team, I think it would definitely make sense to deal away Des Bryant for one of the top picks, especially now with the rookie contracts being so much lower than they used to be. It would definitely free up some money under the salary cap as opposed to signing Des Bryant to a giant extension, but I don't think it will happen. So do you think? Do you guys think that he will really just – You'll want to stay in Dallas. You don't think he's going to test that free agent market? Nick, go ahead. Uh, I, I think he'll he'll definitely go to the highest bidder. I'm not saying that, but I don't think Dallas lets it get that far. I think they'll you know franchise him if it comes to that, and I, I think Jerry Jones will pay him the money because Jerry's going to want to keep that guy. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. I think. Um, at the end of the day, beyond just the just the just the the X's and O piece of it, and beyond just the entertainment pieces of it, there's one thing that frustrates fans more than anything is when you 
take away their continuity from the teams that they loved, even though the teams have struggled, to, to reload or go through these type of things. A la, for me, I don't care what position. We talked about this last night. When when I saw Thurman Thomas in a Miami Dolphins uniform <laughs> or Bruce Smith in a Redskins uniform or Andre Reid in a Redskins uniform, you know, all due respect to Nick, I want to puke <laughs> all over everything. I don't care if we're losing. Don't take away those guys from me. Um, fix it. You know what I mean? But don't take away my guys. And I, and so I think I think you know I, I don't think I don't see Jerry doing that. I think you got to get to him quick and not let him really uh, explore the market like Nick was saying because uh, that's one thing that really burns fans when you take away their guys and you're still not winning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. I think uh, those Rams fans might like Des Bryant in a uniform of of their own, I should say. Huh? But anyway, we are joined by Jake Tabor of AddictedToQuack.com. What's up, Jake? Hey guys, how you doing? Okay, well I'm gonna try to keep the uh, the duck and quack metaphors to a minimum. Uh, but my <laughs> my buddy co-host and uh, Nick is is a huge duck fan, so I uh, I'm sure he's super excited about it. But uh, uh, thanks for joining us again. Addicted to Quack is an SB Nation website solely devoted to duck athletics, and uh, we want to thanks thanks for joining us, Jake. We're we're uh, pumped to to have another college blogger on, and we we appreciate you doing so. Hey, um, thanks for having me, guys. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Terrence Mitchell, cornerback. What, what, do you, what do you think of his prospects for the NFL? Um, you know, I, I like Terrence Mitchell as, as a pass defender. Um, he, in his, his last season, his junior year, I mean, he led the team in interceptions. Um, he's kind of had a weird sort of, of journey through college with, with Oregon. You know, his first year he started as a freshman and – you know, quarterbacks tried to pick on him, and they found out that they couldn't pick on him. And so his sophomore year, they they tried to move away from him and pick on Ifo Ekpre Olamu, and they found out they couldn't pick on him either. And so his junior year, they go back to Terrence Mitchell, and he gets five interceptions. Um, he he's got good. He's an aggressive aggressive player. Um, he he likes to take chances, and and he's gonna he's a he's a big play, a potential kind of guy. Uh, what I, what I don't like out of him is you know he's not the greatest run support he's not very physical um, he kind of hand fights a lot which could get him in trouble in, in the NFL but you know as far as big play potential I mean he's the kind of guy that can that can bring down a ball and and really change the momentum of a game. So does he fit that that ducks mold of just speed first? I mean we 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 all know that. That's what Oregon recruits is that, and I, I know I don't say the word Oregon right. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to work on that. <laughs> but we know that's what they recruit. Speed. I mean, they they have absolutely explosive speed on this team. Is is he that guy that's gonna be in the in the top you know 20 people at the combine in the 40? Uh, he he's not. His top end speed isn't great, but his acceleration is, is top notch. I mean, he he can break on the ball and he can be on the receiver in in a blink of an eye. Um, He's more quick than he is fast, but I mean, once once he gets quick, he's just got to outrun the guys to the end zone at that point. Once he's got the ball in his hands, um, but no, he's not he's not a burner by by any by any stretch. I, I think uh, from what I saw, I think his his forty was like somewhere around four or five. Um, but you know, he his speed isn't exceptional, but it, you know, he's definitely he's he's you know he's a good sized guy too. So. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, we are with uh, Jake Tabor of AddictedToQuack.com. We're talking about uh, Terrence Mitchell. Uh, CBS Sportsline has him going right about the third round now. He's a six foot, one hundred and ninety pound cornerback out of Oregon. Uh, Nick, what do you got for us? Uh, you know, he started thirty eight games, but I actually thought he could have used another season to work on his technique. It seems like he had a lot of contact and coverage that I think could possibly draw penalties in the NFL. Wondered what you thought about that, and uh, also possibly if you think he might slip it all in the draft just due to maybe he uh, gave up more yards and catches than other cornerbacks just due to the presence of Ethel Ekbray Olamu on the other side. So, you know, teams were throwing at him more, whereas corners that were the number one cornerback on their team weren't tested quite as much as Terrence Mitchell was. Well, you know, I agree with you. I think he could have used another year. Frankly, I was surprised that Ethel wasn't the one who came out this year. Uh, because he's being looked at. I mean, he's gotten some rave reviews from from opposing offensive coordinators as you know the best defensive player they've seen in some time. And you know, according to Terrence Mitchell, he felt like it was his time. You know, he he's been an underdog his whole life. Uh, when they graded him out, they did he didn't get a very good grade from the NFL, but it's not something that's really stopped him. Um, so he's like, if he's going, he's going to try to get to the league. Like you said, he's he's very physical, um, and in the in the Pac-12, uh, for the referees are very uh, pass interference flag happy, um, and he paid for that a lot. Uh, but yeah, he's very physical. He's very bump and run. You know, I, I think if he can if he can learn to to just get his hands off of a guy after five yards, he can be very very effective. I you know I he's been great out in third. I I see him going maybe into the fourth. He'd be a steal in the fourth round. Uh, but I think the third round is probably about where he should where he should be where he should be going. And Jake, do you feel like maybe if he started, you know, maybe a couple, you know, even two or maybe even three seasons as like a, a nickelback or a dimeback, just to kind of get him used to that type of setting and maybe a little have him maybe rush the quarterback too, just so he knows kind of what that like NFL contact wise. Do you think he could prosper if they kind of take him along slowly? I think I think that's a that's a great uh, analogy. I mean, move him in as a, as a nickelback. You know, get him on the field, get him used to the game speed. You know, like I say, he, he's not very big on on contact. You know, and that's and that's kind of a, an issue when you get in the NFL. Everyone hits everyone. You know, <laughs> and you can't you can't dance around contact and just kind of stand there. Or guys like you know Ray Rice for for that matter is gonna is gonna run you over. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right. With move him, put him in the nickelback, bring him along, show him how the game is played at that level, and and you know, let him let him sink or swim at that point. Okay. Well, I forgot to mention earlier that uh, V, who's also on the line, this is his birthday. So happy birthday, V! And do you have any questions about Terrence Mitchell? No, I appreciate. It. I mean, you pretty touched on. You pretty much. They pretty. Uh, everybody pretty much touched on it. I mean, my my issue was just. just you know, it's, it's for somebody that is uh, well, they got got him listed six one, but you know, he has pretty decent size for a corner. But I just, you know, the tackle numbers, I just haven't really seen a lot of tackles and things of that nature. And the one thing about nickel is, is that even though it it it, it probably for for most people is the second tier position in terms of of secondary, it really is one that you have to make you know a, a decent amount of decisions because you know you have plays coming across your face. Where generally, if you're in the corner. You know, um, you know, you get to stick with your guy versus having things come in front of you. And when we have people running these different types of screens, particularly teams like the Patriots, who are excellent at, at screening, Kansas City, who are great at screening and things of that nature, you really have to make sure tackles. 
Um, I, it makes me a little nervous about him, to be perfectly honest with you, just because with that size, you normally would be salivating to say, okay, he's going to be able to really lick some people. But it just doesn't seem to translate, and that, and that does make me a little bit nervous because all of the best corners, even the ones that I get physical with corners and, and, and cover well, a la Revis, Sherman, things of that nature, those guys are short tacklers, and they strip the ball. So that's the only thing that I'm kind of a little bit nervous about. Okay. Um, another quarterback that a lot of uh, quote-unquote experts have in going in the third round is uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste out of Nebraska. Now, I am not a Nebraska fan, and I'll just leave it at that. But I really like this kid. He's listed as 6'3", He really impressed me in the senior bowl. Now, with the mold of, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman, I think the NFL is going to be – all over this guy as opposed to Mitchell in the third round. So if somebody needs a cornerback in the third round, Baptiste, uh, Jean Baptiste might go over Mitchell, and that's maybe why we, we could see him slipping. Um, Nick, did you have any more questions there, bud? Yeah, no, I think we pretty much hit on everything with Mitchell. Okay. Uh, moving on to Josh Huff, another uh, burner probably, I guess you could say. What, what do you got for us on, uh, on Josh Huff at the next level there, Jake? Well, I'll tell you, I, I mean, Josh Huff, you know, in, in watching him from his freshman year on up, he was one of my favorite players at Oregon. Um, he's just a tough, tough guy. Um, his first few years, he he had some inconsistencies uh, because of injuries. Um, it just seemed like he couldn't get off, off the, the trainer's table. But you would see these flashes of a guy who can make a spectacular play and, and, and get behind and, and do things. Uh, and then his, his senior year, uh, we thought it was happening again in the Washington game. looked like he went down with a knee injury and then came back in the second half and had like a 70-yard touchdown play over the top, split the coverage, and was just there. Um, he's the kind of guy, you know, and, and also you know, had the, the game-winning touchdown against Oregon State in the Civil War. But he he's very strong, very tough. Uh, and I look to, as evidence of that, if you look at his film from the Colorado game, he has a defender on him at about the seven-yard line and just keeps the legs pumping and drags a guy into the end zone. I mean, that's, that's not really something you see out of a wide receiver, a guy that's just going to drag a guy you know, in, into the end zone. It was, it was quite impressive to me. Um, he catches the ball with his hands really well, doesn't let the ball get into his body, uh, which is very, very beneficial. Uh, where his question marks lie are really in the mental game. I mean, if he if he can learn to focus, he could be a, a very very effective receiver in the league. But you know, he makes a lot of of spectacular plays, and the basic plays kind of he he slips up on. And and to that, you know, if he can if he can get his mind right and learn to focus 100 percent of the time, he could be a real good receiver in the league. One thing I really like about him is he's listed at 5'11", 211, um, according to uh, CBS Sportsline. And now, as a guy, opposed to a guy like Allen Robinson out of Penn State, who's projected to be maybe end of the first round, Huff's like round three or four right now, uh, Robinson is that same weight, but he's 6'3". So what I like about Huff is he's a little, he is a little bit shorter, which some people have question marks about receivers at that next level being that short. But with that weight, he has such good balance, and I think that's where you see the strength come through is he's able to break tackles because he has a little bit of an extra weight on him for somebody uh, his height. Um, do you think that's something that could help him move along? You know, the the X factor, I, I, I do agree, you know, him being a little bit thicker, for, for lack of a better term, will, will benefit him. 
one of the things that's a real X factor with Josh Huff is, you know, the the mentality at Oregon. Oregon has has been a run first team since Chip Kelly took over in 2007, and the the receivers live by the motto: if you don't block, you don't get the rock. And Josh Huff was one of the best edge blockers I have seen, and and that's if nothing else, that's something that'll get him on the field in the NFL. You know, I mean, he can block, he can keep guys off, which you know, spring guys for big time runs. And, and that size and that, you know, the strength is, is you know, like you said, and being a, a compact size, he's able to get in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nick, do you have any questions about Huffer? Well, you know, watching Josh Huff as a fan over the years, he always seemed like a guy who was always on the cusp of being a superstar receiver but just could never quite get there. You know, he'd have a few great games, and then a month you wouldn't hear from him. And, you know, like you said, some of it attributed that to a lack of focus and maturity and his comment after the Stanford loss about how the Rose Bowl would be a disappointment, I thought, raised a lot of red flags. Although, in his defense, it kind of looked like the whole team felt that way when they lost to Arizona. Um, you know, as someone who's watched him over the years, how much have you seen his maturity develop? Is he kind of at the same level now as he was as a freshman, or has, has he gotten better as far as, you know, staying more focused on the field and, and off the field? You know, as far as far as I've seen in this last year, he was one of the leaders on the field. I mean, you you had Marcus Mariota, and then you had Josh Huff out on the edge. That's you know taking control of guys. There are a lot of young receivers at Oregon right now, and he was the one that they were all looking to. You know, like, hey, this is how you do things. This is how you set blocks. This is how you make your cuts. And they were they're looking to him, you know, to to be their their benchmark. And he responded. You know, he was the first thousand yard receiver that Oregon's had since Jeff Mail. And you know, it's I mean, his his work ethic is unquestioned. I mean, the guy works hard. It's just, you know, he's got all the physical tools. If he can if he can get his head on right, you know, he's he's got it. I mean he's he's a he he's got a great, great, you know, physique for the the position. He may be a little short, but you know, he's got he's got strength which can overcome a lot of that. I don't think he'll get knocked off the line, you know, when he's, when he's running. I think that's going to gonna help him quite a bit. Okay. Uh, v, you got any questions about Huff? Now, he kind of, and I'm not trying to put a ceiling on it, but he kind of reminds me of a guy that you're familiar with and I've talked about on the show a little bit, uh, Rascal Parrish. I don't know if Parrish had that much weight on him, but he, he does kind of remind me of that kind of mold. What do you think, V? Um, you know, from what I see of him, I, you know, I, Roscoe Paris, I think I think he's dynamic like Roscoe Paris, but Roscoe Paris is a little bit lighter and can get pushed off the line a little bit. So, you know, if it's not a situation where we got multiple receivers moving around, uh, it's a little hard to get him free. And that's one thing I like about him. He's really strong. He has um uh, he has some Anquan boldness uh tendencies, I think, with that with that strength and short hands, because he does catch with his hands from what I can from what I can see. Um my question would just be, you know, how has he you know, taking the coaches, uh, coaching and how has the coaches um, felt about his maturation? Because I believe if he gets with a good coach, he could be a very, very dynamic player, um, you know, P- Percy Harvinish, uh, where he could do a lot of different things. So, I mean, how has he taken uh, to the actual coaching aspect and the pressures that they've put on him? Well, he's he's a very he, he's very moldable guy. I mean, with with Oregon, you, he they had him play in the backfield quite a bit. They had him, you know, out out at wide. He's very coachable. He he takes to instruction. He he does what he's told, and he he goes and he performs at his best. Uh, 
Yeah, I think it was his sophomore year when uh, Oregon was having a little bit of depth issue at running back. They stuck him in the backfield and handed him the ball. And so he's he's very he's very multi talented like a Percy Harvin. He doesn't have that that same speed, um, but he's he's definitely a factor. I mean, he he'll do what what he's told, and he'll do it the best that he can. I I can't imagine the Ducks ever having running back depth problems. Every time I look at their box score, like eight <laughs> or nine different guys got the rock from the rushing game. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, do you think Hop can return kicks at the next level? He has returned kicks for for Oregon. I mean, when when you're behind guys like Keenan Lowe, Braylon Addison, and and DeAnthony Thomas, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to get on the field for kick returns. Um, but he definitely can return kicks. You know, he he can he he did it for a little while as a punt returner, and you know, I, I think it's it's definitely somewhere where he can find himself getting on the field. Okay, um, moving on, Taylor Hart. Now, I watched just a little bit of film on this guy in. I just am unfortunately not that impressed. No disrespect to Taylor. Maybe I just didn't see the right film, but uh, what, what do you got on Taylor Hart for us? Well, Taylor Hart, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to go undrafted, frankly. Um, he He's a very versatile player. I mean, he can play the nose. He can play the outside. Um, he's he's really he's strong. He's a strong player. Um He's very he's a he's a very intellectual player where he can read things from the quarterback. He you know, but he's not he's not your Jadavian clowny kind of guy where he's gonna knock somebody down and then you know blow up a, run, a running back and knock his helmet thirty yards up the field. Um, but he's you know he's definitely a guy. The way the way Oregon's defense works is that the 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 linemen typically jump in and they they hold the line while the linebackers and the and the the rover come up and make the plays. And in that capacity, he did very well. Um, whether or not that translates to the NFL game can't really be seen at this point. But, you know, the, the weird thing about him is he's got kind of this odd style where he's not up on the balls of his feet. He doesn't – he kind of rocks back, but it's it's been effective for him. But I don't, I don't know how well that will translate to the next level. Okay, Nick, get any questions about Taylor Hart? Uh, well, first, do you know how his broken foot's doing? Is he going to be able to compete at the combine at all, or is he going to have to wait for a pro day? And uh, also, do you think if he adds some weight, he would be able to fit in maybe as a 3-4 defensive end, you know, where that kind of calls for you to hold him up blocks to let linebackers make the plays? Um, as far as his foot, um, Oregon's very, very hush-hush uh, about their, their injuries even after the season. Um I, I could give you the answer they'd give me. He's uh, he's day to day, but um, you know, I I would probably expect to see him at a pro day. Um, he may not be ready by the combine, which which may also hurt his draft stock. Um, but you know, he does need to put on some weight if he is to be that that end in a three four. And you know, he he could do very well there because you know. Like you said, he he holds up the line and, and makes sure that the guys come up and they make the plays. Um, I really I like him as a as a third down like drop end. He did a little bit of that with Oregon as a as a drop end. You know, looking for a screen or or something in the flat. He's he's very solid in, in pass coverage on on running backs, and that's where he you know he could get in. He maybe is an undrafted free agent team take a flyer on him. Okay, um, V. I keep meaning to let you go first on one of these. Uh, what what do you got for Taylor Hart? You say the best of last. It's all good. I'm not I'm not mad at that. But uh, <laughs> no, oh no. My question would be is uh, you know because 
as I you know, as I watch them on them as well, you know, that rock back style uh makes me nervous just in the in the NFL, just how quickly these guys get off the ball and how long their arms are and, and things of that nature. Uh, what is it, what is his motor like? Because I think the only way you can overcome that is with a really crazy motor. And it just seems like for me, he's he's kind of on the back end of a lot of plays, and it, it just seems like um, he gets caught in the mix a little bit. So I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on on his motor and his his, his intensity? It doesn't really come across as much to me from what I've seen. He's not a big in-your-face intensity kind of guy. And he, he's he's the lunch pail kind of worker where he goes in, he he does what he can. He he did find himself on the back end of a lot of plays because you know he's chasing down the play after after being involved with the line. Um, and I I think that does speak to his motor and the fact that he he plays to the whistle, you know. Um, but he he's not a a huge you know pump himself up Ray Lewis kind of guy. He he goes in, he does his job and. He goes forward from there. Next play, you know that's that's part of the mentality they they preach in Eugene is you know next play what just happened doesn't matter anymore. Now you got to go do it again. Okay, well we're, we're kind of running short on time here. We got to talk about the Anthony Thomas. He's another guy that's kind of on the fringe. Uh, but tell me now, now that you've had, I'm sure you've had the chance to watch more on Thomas than I have. When I watch this kid break away, it looks like his legs are going twice as fast as everybody else. Is that because he's only 5'9", or is he actually 5'9"? What, what do you got on De'Anthony Thomas? Uh, De'Anthony Thomas is actually 5'9". <laughs> I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been around him quite a bit, and I, I'm, I'm a, quite a bit taller than De'Anthony Thomas. <laughs> um, but he, uh, he is that fast. When you, when you watch film, he is that fast. As far as open field speed... I haven't seen anyone as fast as DeAnthony Thomas. I, I mean, it shows in the Rose Bowl. I don't know if you recall on his his long ninety yard run. The Wisconsin players are just they pulled up slow because they didn't want to look slow in, next to this guy. Um, as a kick returner, this uh, DeAnthony Thomas. That's where he's going to be able to to get into the league. He's he's very small. Uh, he he really I feel could have benefited from another year, but you know he. He feels like it was time to move on. You know, he the last two years he's been dinged up with injuries, and so he's opened the season like like a house of fire, just going out returning kicks, running the ball up the field, scoring touchdowns. Then he got dinged up, and he wasn't quite re- he wasn't really the same from that point on. Um, he's a highlight waiting to happen. I mean, you mm-hmm. get the ball to Deontay Thomas in open space. He, I mean, there's he may as well play the fight song. You know, <laughs> that was one of the things about him, but. You know, as, as far as it translates to the NFL, he needs to work on his hands. He needs to, to, to catch the ball better. And, and I could see him molding into a, a you know, I, I hate the comparison, but a Tavon Austin role. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, if someone takes a flyer on him in the seventh round or maybe picks him up as undrafted, they could they could have a game breaker in, in the fold. But, I mean, it's just a matter of getting him in the open space and figuring out a place to use him. Oregon didn't have a place to use him. They, they tried to line him up at running back. You know, they try to put him in the slot. I mean, they, we didn't in Oregon. They didn't have a position for him except here, take the ball and run to the end zone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, v, you're a running back guy. What do you, what do you think about uh, G. Anthony? And he's probably sounds like he's going to make that change to wide receiver. Well, and, and that's the thing. I would like him not to, and that's why I'm wondering if he could be at a running back situation. I, he just seems a little clusterish uh, to me, you know. Um, he runs really clean lines, and he actually moves the pile pretty decent. Like, he seems like a pretty strong 
kidding. And that's why I'm wondering if you could be a running back because I think, I, you know, not necessarily wildcat-ish, but I, I think in in, uh, in some of those more clever designs, I, I feel like he could be a really effective with like a, with like a, a Chip Kelly <laughs> or, you know, with, with people like that that have a little bit more dynamic runners. I mean, do you think he could he can uh, at least a second option running back, you know, kind of that switch option running back? Do, do you think he has what it takes to, to, to stay in that position full time? As a as a change of pace back, I think he can make he can make an impact. Um, I don't see him as an every down guy at all. Um, trying to run him between the tackles just kind of seemed to wear him down. I mean, taking taking the hits uh, in you know it, it took took a knock off his speed a little bit. Um, I, I do see him like I said, get him out in space, and he's going to hurt you. You know, between as far as between the tackles, I, I don't see I don't see him having a future there at all. Okay, Nick, what do you what do you think? Um, you know, we mentioned Percy Harvin earlier. I think that he could be used in a similar way as Percy Harvin, not near as heavy as the workload, but you know, maybe five to eight touches a game type of thing. He's just too quick and too explosive and too productive, really, for me to see him slip all the way to the seventh round. I mean, if he's there in the fifth, I'm going to be screaming for the Redskins to take him. You know, he is kind of small. I think the name Javid Best might scare some teams away early on in the draft. Uh, Are you concerned at all about any nagging injuries that he's had from college? You know, all the all the injuries that he had, I mean, there were, there were sprained ankles, you know, hamstring pulls, things that happen to guys on a daily basis, things that happen to me getting out of the car. You know, um, I don't have any, any concerns with, with him, any nagging injuries or anything like that. I mean, he was a, he was a track guy for three years also. And so he, his durability isn't, isn't a question. It's just a matter of, you know, nursing himself back to health and getting back to speed. Okay. So Nick doesn't want him to go to Philadelphia. We we probably know that. But, uh, I don't know. I'm seeing he's not. I don't think think he has to hand the Darren Sproles. But if he had a Darren Sproles like player backing up Shady McCoy, that might be all right there. Um, well, Jacob, I want to thank you, sir. Jake, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for joining us uh, again. It's Jake Tager, Tabor, addicted to Quacks.com. Uh, go there, check it out, and be well versed in Ducks athletics. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Jake, have a great day, bud. You too. Well, we are still waiting on our next guest. Uh, Ty has not joined us quite yet. So uh, while we are waiting, let's get into the the next issue. Now, Tony Gonzalez commented that Matt Ryan is not elite. And i got to go first on this one. All due respect to Tony, I respect you. You're probably the best tight end in NFL history. I have no problem saying that because, you know, Jimmy Graham isn't as old as he is yet. But, um, Tony, you played with Trent Green and Elvis Gerbach. How do you know what an elite quarterback is? Again, I know I may be treading on thin water here, but he's maybe caught some passes from Brady and Manning and Pro Bowls, but, but compared to Trent Green and Elvis Gerbach, I think I would go Matt Ryan. Uh, v, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I, I think I would go the other way with it. I think he knows what an elite quarterback is not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think I think he knows when somebody is not elite that's throwing it to him. I think he knows that. And, I mean, I, I, he would know, I think he would know just as much as any of us when we watch it. I mean, we don't get the feeling, at least I don't get the feeling from Matt Ryan, that he's completely, 
uh, went on. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Now, I wish just in terms of his legacy so that the last note would have been just about him. I, I wish you wouldn't necessarily made the comment. But I just don't – I just want to know what – at what point were we not allowed to tell the truth anymore? <laughs> like where it became a shot to tell somebody that's the truth. I, I'm a little heavy. I'm, I eat a lot of food. I enjoy it. And somebody <laughs> to say that is not hurting my feelings. It's accurate. I shouldn't yeah. be eating a full plate of nachos at midnight, and I do that. And so <laughs> I, I, it, I, no one would be hurting my feelings if they were to say that. Matt? Ryan is an excellent, like he said, is an excellent quarterback. I think he's very good, uh, but I don't think I don't think he's elite. And if that was not clear and present this year, um, then I don't know what you have to do to do that. And the same thing we found out, you know, same thing with Joe Flacco. I mean, we should not throw that word around so lightly when we're talking about the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's and things of that nature. So I don't think he said anything wrong. I just kind of wish he wouldn't have said it, just so we wouldn't be talking about it in terms of him. You know. Yeah, and it's not like I don't. It's not like I think Matt Ryan is a top three or five quarterback. I, I mean, he has Tony Gonzalez. He's got Julio Jones. He has Roddy White. I mean, he has. I mean, I think I could throw a couple touchdown passes with those three guys. Hello. But um, <laughs> maybe not. But you know what I mean. Um, I think you could. Honestly, I think. You I think. Could. I think. Yeah, like you said, I think Tony's kind of taking his legacy here. He's one of the greatest players of all time, and I heard he even said, "Well." You know, well, if the Falcons are nine and two, I would consider coming back and helping them for the playoff push. Come on, Tony. Just, uh, but anyway, Nick, what do you think about this whole situation? Well, I don't think he really meant anything negative by it. I think Tony Gonzalez believes that Matt Ryan will eventually be elite, but I think he's speaking more of just a general opinion around the league, and it's pretty much true. Uh, Matt Ryan is not an elite quarterback yet. Uh, you know, can you be considered an elite quarterback without a Super Bowl win? Yes, but you have to be able to carry your team through adversity, something that he was just unable to do last year. You know, you look at guys like Dan Marino, uh, John Elway before the Super Bowl wins. They were elite because they carried their team year in and year out, and right now you just can't call Matt Ryan elite. He had the chance to last season to prove it, and he was just unable to put the team on his shoulders. He's a good quarterback, but he's definitely not in the elite class. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, Matt, we've seen quarterbacks blossom after they turn 30. And I know Ryan's probably approaching that. I don't know his exact age. But I feel like he has the capacity to be, especially with that receiving core, that he has the capacity, maybe not to be an elite, but I think this team could actually win a Super Bowl if they get some pass rushers and maybe another offensive lineman or two to help to help it out, help things out. I don't think the signing of Steven Jackson did them any good. But I, I think they do have they have the tools on this team uh, with a couple more pieces to be a, a pretty dynamic team. I mean, it's they have a, a hell of a receiving core, even you know without Tony in the mix. I mean, Roddy and Julio Jones on the same same time is, is pretty awesome. I mean, there's a lot of NFL teams that would love to just have one of those guys. So yeah, it, it's I think that the book is still out on Matt Ryan. Let's not let's not. Uh, not throw him away until he's retired. Um, well, to your point, just real quick. I mean, like you pointed out, he, he's 28 right now, and like, and that's the thing about it. Like, it, we don't even have to have this conversation yet. I just think he's going through mm-hmm. the natural maturation that a quarterback used to be allowed to go through. <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't expect you to be elite in your first three years. That was unheard of. That used to be uh, absurd. 
You know what I mean? And I think for whatever reason now, I mean, granted, we have two-year quarterbacks like um, like Russell Wilson and things of that nature and, 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 and Andrew Luck making these huge strides. Um, but, I mean, come on. Let's just give the guy a minute. He's a very good quarterback and, has, you know, he has plenty of time before we even got to have that is he a leader or not conversation. All right, Nick, question for you. Would you trade RG3 for Matt Ryan straight up right now? No. Silence. No. Okay. But it would be close. I, I, I had to think about it. It would be, be really close, but probably not. All right, what, like a third-round pick and then maybe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I just really think RG3 is going to bounce back He was so amazing as a rookie How could he not Yeah. Okay. Alright, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that um, I don't know if Ty Gregorak From Montana is going to join us Hopefully Jason does at 145 From USD But um, since Ty is not with us Let's just talk a couple minutes about uh, One of the Montana prospects And his name is Jordan Tripp He's an outside linebacker um, I saw him make a couple plays in the senior bowl, like busting through a pile to make a tackle. And I'm like, who was that? And uh, then, then they said the name. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about him on the podcast. I, I really like this guy. He is projected third or fourth rounder, 6'3", 273, or excuse me, 237. Uh, nice stock, stocky guy for a linebacker. He does not actually look that heavy. So we'll see what he is at the combine. But, uh, Nick, what, have you seen any film on this Jordan Tripp? What do you think about that? Uh, he seems kind of like a, just a jack-of-all-trades. He's not amazing at any one thing, but he doesn't struggle at anything either. Then he, from what I've seen and heard about him, he just gives 100% effort all the time. You know, I think his motor could really help give him an edge on special teams, hopefully in the NFL, because, you know, a lot of those mid-round picks, that's where the difference between having a landing on the 53-man roster and the practice squad is being able to contribute on special teams. So hopefully Jordan's able to do that. Yeah, now me and V talked a little bit last night uh, at NBA D-League game, Gold Sky Force. Uh, And V kind of, I'm going to echo what V said, you know, there are so many guys kind of at this mid-tier level that we just don't know how good they are until somebody takes a chance on him. I think this guy could step in and start the first year. I think, I don't know, you know, mentality, if he understands NFL defenses quite yet, but I think he can make a definite impact on defense as a starter for somebody this year, even if it takes him, you know, half a season to kind of get acclimated. V, what do you think about Jordan Tripp? Well, you know, as I look at him, you know, I, I really like his footwork, um, with, the, with the exception of, he, you know, he does a jump stop thing sometimes, and w- when a power gets pushed back so much faster in the NFL, he can get caught on the other side of a block and be out of a position for a play. So that, that particular quirk makes me a little bit nervous. But he seems really, really disciplined. I mean, he slides into a back pedal really well. He sticks it. He comes down with good form. Like, he's, he, he seems like a coach's kid type of person to me, um, where he has, you know, really good technique, and I, and I think he probably executes, you know, how you want him to for the most part. So when you have that and you have a motor and you have desire and you're coachable and you have, you know, pretty good fundamentals, I think you have, if you're in the right situation and somebody's going to give you an opportunity, I think you have the opp- I think you have a chance to be a great player. I, I, you know, being a Buffalo Bills fan, we've never really went after blue chip guys. We always got lunch pail, middle of the drive, high motor, high character guys. And that's how he strikes me. And so I'm a believer in that style of player. 
you know, pretty much, uh, pretty much down the middle. So I think he does have an opportunity. But again, it's going to be coaching this situation. Um, you know, it's 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 a you got to move quick in this league. You got to make an impression really quickly, or you get buried. So hopefully he can. But I think if he does, I think he'll be a solid player. Uh, okay. Um, so C.J. Spiller is in blue chip. Well, I, mean, I, mean, I know honestly, you got to. I know you got to pick somebody in the first round, but what, what do you think about that? Sorry. Well, we do. We do. I mean, you know, we, we do try to go after people who, who, you know, who have that, you know, at least that blue chip perception. Um, and I and I think CJ is a blue chip player, honestly. And to be perfectly honest, if if, if CJ Spiller were like in a we're in a, we're in a Chip Kelly type system or we're in a system that um, utilized players that way, then I think it'd be different. But um, but we go we go after one every once in a while. But but really, I I mean we, you know, we take people like Leotis McKelvin in the first round, huh? Like <laughs> like hey, like hey, huh? Like really, you know? So that's the type of stuff we do. Ah. <laughs> uh, I just like putting you guys on the spot. I had a couple of good questions today. Um, I like the uh, the RG three versus Matt Ryan one a little bit better, but uh, uh, that was a Florida good one. State guy. As a Florida State guy, I just I can't I can't love CJ Spiller, but I do like Tosh Boyd and DeAndre Hopkins. So what what, what am I thinking? Uh, of course, Sammy Watkins is pretty all right too. Uh, we are joined here by Jason Petrino, defensive coordinator from the University of South Dakota. What's up, Jason? Hey, how we doing, guys? Good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, pretty thrilled to have you all. Because, uh, uh, as many people know, I live in the middle of the cold West no, Midwest, and that is Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm about 60 miles away from where Tyler played his college ball. Um, Tyler is a linebacker out of South Dakota. Great size. Good energy guy. He's one of those guys that I can see making an impact early in special teams, like we talked about with Jordan Tripp earlier and really blossoming into a good player. Jason, uh, let's not mess around here. Where does Tyler want to go? Does he Does he have a favorite NFL team? Uh, just wherever he can play. I don't think he's yeah. too picky uh, at all. I'm sure family would like him close to home, but I think Tyler's just hungry. He'll play anywhere. All right. Well, if you haven't seen Tyler, if you're listening out there, you don't know Tyler, he's got some long hair, and for some reason <laughs> I – I'm reminded maybe a little Clay Matthews, but I kind of like it. It's almost Fred Belitnikoff-like. So as a Raiders fan, Tyler in the silver and black from USC, oh, man, I would love that. Um, what, so what do you think about uh, – we talked about Jordan Tripp a little bit earlier. What do you think about Tyler coming from USD, which is kind of, you know, a, a smaller program, hasn't been able to really show what he can do against maybe some more elite talent at his age level. What do you, what do you think is the ceiling well, for Tyler in the NFL? Well, first off, uh, Jordan Tripp's a great player. You know, I'm from Montana, so I know all about that program and what uh, Jordan's done. But when I look at Tyler, I, I think there are two different types of players. I think uh, Tyler brings an edge presence. Uh, presence. I mean, when we came here, you know, we went from a, a four-down front to a three-four. We used him as a stand-up outside backer. He just does so much damage for us on third down as a guy coming off an edge. And, um, you know, we played against uh, a lot, a lot of good football players in the Valley Football Conference. We feel it's the, you know, the SEC of our level. And uh, so he, he saw a great O-lineman. Obviously, he's not seeing the SEC or the Big 12 type O-lineman or the Big 10. But I, I really think in terms of Tyler, his strength is his speed. I mean, the kid was a safety in high school. Uh, I moved to D-end, and then, like I said, we moved him to an outside linebacker in our system. And, 
the things about Tyler, I just he's just got an amazing motor, uh, incredible get off, um, and uh, just so disruptive. Uh, and that's just kind of how he is, and that's how he plays. And, and then his length stands out. I mean, six five. I know I hear he's weighing two fifty right now. He probably weighed two fifty or two forty to two thirty five for us during the fall, and um, and and just able to still move and do the things in space and still come off the edge and be a, a beast in the backfield as well. Well, and Tyler is one of those guys. I think it's he wasn't it is right now possibly a, you know a sixth seventh round pick. He would probably be running a gym if he doesn't run one already. I mean, he is a, a, a man that's committed to, to his body and, uh, and building it stronger. And I think that's going to speak a lot to uh, his, his motor. And I know, V, you're a big motor guy with those front seven defensive linemen. What do you, what do you have? Any questions about Tyler? Yeah, that's a big thing for me. I mean, is, is, um, is you know, in, in, internally, in, inside of the line, how does he penetrate there? I mean, on the edge, he seems really effective. And actually, the person that, that, that to me, that I love it, is Kevin Green, which we talked about, where um, really good with your arms, really good at creating separation, um, really good at, at getting low, and, 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 and which I think is great at any level. And I don't care if you're a seven rounder or whatever. If you get on that field and you're able to leverage and use speed and your motor against the player, you're going to be effective. I don't care which school you went to. But I'm curious to see, you know, um, how effective he can be um, in the box uh, with the run game. Uh, what did you see there that kind of stood out to make you feel like he might be able to translate to the NFL? Well, like interior, like as an interior D-line or any kind of like twist movements inside, I guess. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So twist movements, being able to move. Most defenses now that, you know, uh, the, the Jets, you know, the Ryan Patton type offenses, where you moving around and playing different positions in interior and out and on outside. Yeah. I really think that's something that he's got, you know, same thing in Flourish. His athleticism is just amazing. His stop and start, um, you know, he, he, he had a great up and under move, you know, as an outside edge rusher that we used in some of our calls. Uh, and then in terms of him coming inside to get a one-on-one on a guard, uh, he was able to do some things. Um, or, you know, like anybody, you know, when Tyler's body position's correct, he makes a lot of plays. And then, you know, you'd miss some plays every now and then when his hips got high or he got a little out of control or just kind of was surprised to be uh, surprised to be that untouched and unblocked and missed some plays in the backfield. But, um, you know, it's definitely something that he, he'll need to prove and work on. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of surprised to hear he was up at t- to 250 already. Uh, but I hear he's still moving around just fine. And uh, that's kind of credit back to his family a little bit. I mean, in terms of his five years here, uh, he, they obviously weren't the best five years, but I know in the two years I've been here, I mean, he's been phenomenal the way he's changed himself, matured, and grown up, and a lot of that is the family support from his mom, his grandparents, and things like that. And um, uh, It's just been great to watch him, and I, I think the one thing about Tyler, he knows what his weaknesses are, but and he, and it drives him nuts, he's going to work uh, extremely hard to improve those weaknesses. I mean, he, he was in here every day in the off season this last year just wanting to learn more about the outside linebacker position, how he could get better, uh, and some of it was us on coaches in terms of how we can use him to improve our defense. And uh, we made significant tri- strides <clears throat> this year, and he's definitely got to be missed as we're going through our film. Um, but uh, if, if Tyler has something to, to work on, uh, like being an interior rush type guy, uh, I know that's something that he'll definitely uh, work hard to improve. All right, Nick, do you have any questions about Tyler Starr? 
Uh, well, some scouts have said he'd fit best in a 3-4 defense. Uh, others say he's versatile enough to play in a 4-3. I saw one interview where he said he could play outside in a 3-4, Sam linebacker in a 4-3, or defensive end, and also that he thought he could play tight end. Uh, do you see a particular scheme being the best fit for Tyler, or uh, do you think no matter the defense a team runs, Tyler is a guy who's good enough that he can come in and contribute? I think early on he'll be used kind of as a specialist. I'll be honest with you. I, I think uh, I just see him as an edge rush guy. And uh, somebody, an NFL scout, asked me the same question, and a GM from um, uh, an assistant GM from an NFL team kind of called in and just said, "What? What do you think?" I said, "Well, if you want him to be at 260 to be at the end, I don't know how big your DNs need, but I know he's able to be in space in a coverage system. I mean, he has a couple plays for us in terms of our pass coverage stuff. You know, in, the, in college level, we can get our hands on and." You talk about a six-five guy that's able to get hands-on receivers in the slots. I mean, he just he just kills it. And then uh, his length takes up a lot of space, just his body. And he, he you know he had an interception where I mean he played it off perfectly. Uh, I really it's hard for me to say because I don't think a team can go wrong because I think he is that dynamic uh, as a as a person. I see him obviously running down on special teams because he's athletic to run and in the uh, straight line extremely fast and he's able to. Uh, do some things in, in that standpoint. So I see him as a, as a factor there, and I see him as kind of a, a you know an edge rush guy uh, as he's able to develop and grow uh, in terms of understanding what's asked of him. Uh, but I I really think you know it's one of those things that I've seen some NFL players I've seen him make it. And I just his athleticism and his length and just his overall size. I mean, and it's all upper body. I mean, his legs are skinny. His upper body is just massive, and he's just uh, a guy that in the two years we've had our hands on has just grown. Uh, tremendously in, in terms of internally and maturing, uh, and uh, that's the thing that I really step back and impressed of is the person he's become, but he's also become a pretty darn good football player too. Uh, so you, when you say specialist in terms of athleticism, speed, and size, like you mentioned here, um, do you see like maybe a nickel linebacker where he could, you know, cut off that screen pass or that? Uh, or that bubble screen, whatever you want to call it, where he can, you know, make an impact there or even just kind of rush up the middle and make that quarterback move around, which is certainly something the NFL defenses are calling for, given the direction of the league. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think uh, with Tyler, and again, obviously the offensive tackle is going to be the biggest, the NFL offensive tackle is going to be the biggest adjustment for Tyler. But I just see him in certain situations where he can be a fourth rusher, uh, whether it's in a third down package uh, I could see him as a base package. You know, you get into teams when they get into heavier sets, you know, and I'm just talking about 3-4, but he can be an outside linebacker. I, I look at what the Green Bay Packers, I know you guys already brought up uh, with their uh, play Matthews and such, but, I mean, when they're in, you know, two-back formations, I mean, they're in a, a three, almost in a 52 defense, and then you get them into 11 personnel where there's fewer bodies in the backfield. They've almost become a 2-4-5, and I, I can just really see Tyler as that model. And I'll be honest, that's kind of how we, we watched a lot of Packer film. We watched a lot of BYU film to try to help Tyler out and uh, use a lot of what they were doing at those two places to try to put Tyler in a similar situation, whether he's the, the fourth rusher in uh, 11 personnel or, you know, as teams get heavy on us, we became almost a 52 defense. So Tyler has that ability and that knack, and like I said, he, he, was, he was a handful for tight ends to block. There's no doubt about it. Just because he's so quick, uh, he's got great size, and he's so good with his hands. Um, I mean, you know, he can take an edge real quick, or he can come underneath that tight end block, and then in a, a passing situation, you know, when he knew it was passed, I mean, he could gear it in, and uh, you know, at times out of a two point, and at times out of a three point, and I think that really shocked a lot of people. Just his overall get off and what he's able to do in terms of disruption. And we had 
a couple things where it allowed him to come up and under, and he's just so, you know, we talked about getting to the quarterback's feet, and, and he was able to do that whether he's getting the sack or some one of his teammates getting the sack, but he's definitely having an impact in the backfield. Okay, well, I've been putting people on the spot today, so if you don't mind, Gene, okay. I just want to ask you about uh, a couple South Dakota State guys. They're they're really, really long shots for getting drafted, but uh, Winston Wright and uh, Doug Pete. Um, do, do you see anything out of out of those two guys? And you oh, know, to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> Doug Pete, I think, is a great football player. Actually, uh, I was at Omaha for a brief time where his younger brother was before the program dropped, but I, uh, so I know all about it. And I, I think he's <clears throat> um, a, a similar style to Tyler, uh, whether he's, uh, like I said, I, just, I know Tyler's bigger, longer, uh, maybe a touch more athletic, and, you know, he's a guy that was voted in terms of conference MVP. So, uh, but, but I could see him playing a similar role as a guy that runs down special teams, having an impact. Cause the one thing I always watched when I think South Coast State does a great job on defense is um, those kids just play hard, and he played hard. He played with them. They stayed in the scheme and the system, and he was able to make a, a lot of plays. And um, uh, he, he's definitely one, as, again, as I'm more familiar with is in terms of, uh, who they have in film we watch. We watch a lot of South Dakota State film as we prep for teams just because um, they did something similar to us, especially when they got into 11 personnel and things like that. And then who was, uh, who was what was the other name? I recognized Pete right away. What was the other name you said? Uh, cornerback Winston Wright. <laughs> well, he made us look silly. I mean, obviously he got the pick six for us late. Uh, um, I, I be honest, I did not get a chance to watch him as much. I know he's a playmaker for him. I know he returns kicks as well. Athletic. Uh, I just I don't know him as well because uh, I, I just didn't. Uh, uh, he wasn't somebody that stood out. Obviously, the the cornerbacks in our league, the, the guys out of uh, North Dakota State are special. Um, uh, and I, there's a couple other that stand out there. The kid at Missouri State, uh, but but he's a good one too. He, he's right in that group. Uh, but but the one at uh, North Dakota State is really really special. Okay. Okay. Well, Jason, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, like again, I, I said I'm a Raiders fan. He's a Bills fan. Nick's a Redskins fan. We could all use a little help on defense. So I mean, just hey, you know, I mean, I know it's it's up to the, it's up to the teams and not Tyler, but just let him know. If, yeah, no, exactly. And I, like I said, I don't think he really cares. But I'm just excited. It's going to be fun to continue to watch him play and, and just to see him develop. I mean, he just got engaged recently, and obviously his son's a big part of his life, and uh, his, that's his motivation. And uh, when he when Tyler's motivated to do something, man, uh, I've never been disappointed. So I know he'll be fine, and wherever he ends up, he'll love it. He'll work extremely hard, and uh, I assure you he's going to have an impact. All right, so you, you joined us a week later than I had initially asked. Did you sign the next Tyler Starr last week on Sunday? <laughs> we, we flat out said there's no way we can replace Tyler Starr. We're going to need to, <laughs> it's almost like that, the, the, what is it, the money ball or the Oakland A's. It's a, well, we got to find guys that, uh, somewhere else that can be as productive and almost got to have four or five guys do the things that Tyler did. And hopefully we can find that within, uh, both within our, our current roster and then find some guys to piece in. But they're not a lot of six five, and I think when Tyler came in, he was about 210, 215 pounds. And uh, with speed and athleticism, I mean, shoot, uh, uh, those guys get taken up pretty quickly. But, um, no, Tyler was a special one, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. We, I know we recruit our butts off. We're excited about the kids that are coming in. and um, Great competition at a lot of positions, and uh, filled, definitely filled our needs, but excited about it. But I, I can't guarantee a Tyler star in there just yet. All right, cool. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, when you do produce the next Tyler Star, we will certainly have you next next on or whenever. We, we we appreciate you stopping by and giving us a few minutes of your time. I appreciate it. Anything I can do in the future, just let me know.
All right, thanks, Jason. Have a good day. Okay, as I mentioned earlier, that we are going to end on somewhat of a serious note. And what I said to Nick here, you know what that means? It's time for Dick France. Now, in the past, Nick has gone from, you know, panning guys like, well, mostly, mostly New York Giants quarterbacks like Nelson and Eli Manning. But, uh, you know, we've talked about the Redskins name change. And uh, now we're obviously going to talk about the big news uh, coming out of uh, the world of football over the weekend, and that's uh, Michael Sam, the, the defensive player, co-defensive player of the year from the SEC, uh, announcing the, the fact that he is, is a gay individual before the combine even happens. Now, Nick, what do you got for us? Well, if you don't know a lot about him, Michael Sam, he's coming out of Missouri. He's a little bit of a tweener. He doesn't have great size for a defensive end, not great movement skills for an outside linebacker. But this kid has a nonstop motor and can just get to the quarterback. Ten and a half sacks, like you mentioned, he was co-SEC defensive player of the year. And he was slated to probably be a third to fifth round pick. Uh, you know, of course, he made the off-the-field news when he came out as who will likely be the first openly gay athlete in the NFL. There's a number of angles to this. I just want to touch on a couple of them. First of all, I think it showed a lot of courage on his part, especially given the timing right before the draft. Fair or not, there is a perception around the quote-unquote more masculine sports there is a higher level of homophobia than in most of society. And if his honesty were to cause him to slip a few rounds in the draft, that's a difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ten years ago, I think that probably would have been the case. Hopefully in 2014 it won't matter. But you never know. So definitely, first off, you got to say hat off to Michael Sam. I'll definitely be rooting for him. That being said, uh, it seems like every time a major barrier is broken, I hear somebody, whether it be a commentator or just somebody random at the bar, say, oh, so-and-so is the Jackie Robinson of fill-in-the-blank. No. The only Jackie Robinson is Jackie Robinson, period. Anybody who tries to make that analogy needs to have a history lesson. Don't get me wrong, it's terrible that, the, that there's even a chance that he could slip in the draft. And I'm sure some buffoons will say mean things on Twitter about him, but to compare that to the truly heinous things Mr. Robinson endured, to me, just trivializes his legacy. Don't get me wrong, I do think certain comparisons can be drawn between the civil rights movement and the gay rights movement, but in 2014 to compare any one individual to Jackie Robinson is just wrong. Um, moving on, I've been somewhat pleasantly surprised about the little bit lack of media coverage about this. It's been covered, but you know, if this had happened 15 years ago, it would have been Brett Favre retirement watch times a hundred type of coverage. You know, every time any player or coach in the NFL was interviewed, it would have been the main and probably only topic of the interview. But really, it's not a huge deal in the media, and even way less so, I think, outside the media. I'm just glad our society, by and large, is moving in the direction of acceptance that, yes, gay people are people and should have every right to fight for our country, get married, and even play for our favorite football teams. Josh? Uh, Well, like you said kind of earlier, that's kind of what I first thought was this really speaks to the character of this man and when he – that he came out when he did. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move it over to V and then I'll and I'll, I'll speak after after V goes. But V, what do you got for us? I know we talked about this a little bit last night too. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think obviously there's gonna be some isolated incidents where he's gonna run into some situations, and you know, people are gonna you know have their whispers and things of that nature. But I just think at this point where we're at with people is, I mean, um, most people are over it in terms of 
just exerting any energy having a discussion about something that's not really a discussion. You know, whatever your personal feelings are in a situation has nothing to do with how you feel like a person should be treated, what they should have access to, the rights that they should have. Everybody should come from it from the perspective that that is, you know, established. And so I, I think it, particularly if he, if he plays well, I, I think it will be completely a non-issue. Um, if if he does have some, some trip ups and things of that nature, then I then I definitely think they're gonna grab onto that more to have a story. But um, like Nick pointed out, they didn't go as crazy as they did. But quite honestly, the only reason why it's an issue at all is because somebody puts a microphone in somebody's face and say, "How do you feel about the fact that this man is gay?" And 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 really, if, if we could, if if that didn't happen, this would be a complete non-story whatsoever. The dude can play, let him play in the story. Period. Point blank. And um, I think once he gets on the field, we won't really be talking about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel a lot of the same way you guys do. You know, he came, like I said, he came out up front and said, this is who I am, and I just want to play football. He's made it clear that he doesn't want to be an activist for the gay community. He just wants to play football. Um, I suck, sunk the counsel of a, a gay friend of mine uh, by the name of Luke, and he, he kind of just talked about with me about kind of the way he came out and uh, – and how he thought, you know, the way that uh, Michael Sand came out. He came out to his, to his teammates and coaches this summer prior to his senior year. He was very well accepted by that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people kind of figured that he was that way anyway. Um, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say that. But a lot of people thought that he was. And, you know, so through that, there was rumblings at the Senior Bowl that he might be gay, some then some NFL scouts started asking his agent. He felt the need to come on and said, what he, say what he said to make it, to make, uh, you know, just to make it known to the world. And, I, and I, the props in the world for that. I mean, he said this before anybody invested him. You know, it would have been real easy, like Nick said, maybe even 10 years ago to say this after he signs a million-dollar contract. He, that's not what he's doing. He wants people to know who he is, and he wants to play football. And I totally respect him for that. You know, there's a lot of ignorant people out there who are just not going to understand that. But, you know, we talked with, with Luke and I talked to V last night about this too. There really is a generation gap with a lot of this. And, when you know, if you see somebody make some weird derogatory comments about Michael Sam uh, moving forward, ask them if it's actually their thoughts or if they're hearing that from somebody else or somebody older from them. And I don't mean to pick on people that are older than us, but there is – you know, what we need to realize as a society that there are people that are gay in all walks of life, whether they are bankers, hockey players, football players, you know, wh- whatever. There, there are people that are gay in all walks of life, and they really just want to be accepted. I mean, if, it, it seems a little odd to me that they have to come out and announce it because, I mean, that's just who they are. You know, I, I – Norwegian, do I say that when I, when I walk into a place? No, I don't. I just, I, you know, obviously it's a bigger issue, but I, I don't think it should be an issue like, like it is. And, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, is this going to be a distraction to whatever team drafts him? Uh, to the extent of Tim Tebow, I don't think so, because he just wants to go and play football. Uh, Nick or V, do you have any more thoughts there? Well, for me, my only thing is, is you know, I just hope people. I, I think, I think, like I said, I think it'll come down a bit. And at the end of the day, you know, there's certain doctors out here that 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 only 
that there are the only people, maybe three or four, that can help with a certain disease or a certain surgery or certain whatever, I would like to think that the most bigoted person, if someone that they love dearly to their heart, needed to have that surgery that only this guy knows how to do and that guy is gay, I have to uh, I have to think that you would be able to put that to the side because he's really good at his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, whatever he does in his life, he's really good at his job. And when we're talking about the NFL, we're talking about the 1% of the 1% of people who are uh, elite athletes, he's really good at his job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What are we talking about? Like everything else is, is kind of like it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Like he's really good at his job. Yeah, no one is asking. He's not. You're not asking him over for Thanksgiving dinner. You're not asking him to babysit your kids. You're watching him on television play football, man. Like the like, we have to illuminate the absurdity of even being. You know, like really. You know, and that's where I'm at with it. So I just hope that you know, you know, people get over it. Watch the dude play football. If he's good, then then, then watch him and support him. If he's not, cut him, and that's it. Yeah, and you know what? And if he's not good, that doesn't mean all gay football players are not going to be good. I mean, and what kind of tagging along with what you said, I was going to quote uh, uh, Lucas Jackson, who was on talking about uh, Johnny Manziel from uh, Good Bull Hunting. You know, there's always that big question of character. We talked about that with Con- with Connor Tapp of the Garnet Black Attack too, uh, with Jadavian Clowney. There's always that big character question. And now, I said earlier, Michael Sam obviously has an immense amount of character he, he said for saying what he did when he did um but what lucas said about johnny manzel when i asked him about his character he said shouldn't be the only thing that really matters is he good at football and that's exactly what we said is michael sam good at football can he play at the next level we don't know where's he going to be drafted we don't know until may 10th or whenever it is we is he good at football is should be the only thing that matters uh nick first of all an awesome Nick Rance. I know I can always count on you to put a great spin on, on anything. Nick, do you have any more thoughts there for us? Uh, just one last thing. You know, people worry about how it's going to play out in the locker room. And I think people need to remember that ignorance uh, and bigotry tend to be more prevalent in uneducated areas. Every NFL Every person in an NFL locker room, if they haven't graduated college, they've at least been to college for a few years. So I really don't see it being that big of an issue in the locker room as people are making it out to see. Very, very good point there, too. I think that is something that should should, should have been touched on, and we didn't do that earlier. But, yeah, that is a very good point. Um, well, we did it, guys, a little over an hour, but that's all right. Uh, what, uh, any more closing thoughts there, V? Uh, side note, I'm, I want to cry today. I just got an alert that said Derek Jeter said 2014 was going to be his last year, which probably is what should happen, but it still hurts my heart a little bit. So I don't mean to go baseball on you guys, but that's just something that I just needed to address publicly that I'm a little emotional about that. So, guys, excuse me. I got that update here too. I was gonna I was gonna announce that, but I, I can't forget about it. Yeah, that is that is that is a little sad just because he is who he is. He's you know he's Mr. Yankee. He's been you know in with all the bad things going on in baseball right now. I think he's been one of the the stronger role models that the sport has produced in a long time. So that is certainly be uh, sad to watch him walk away. And hopefully he can stay healthy and be a nice contributor for the Yankees here in his final season. Uh, Nick, you got anything else for us? Um, nope. You have a happy birthday, V. Yep. Happy birthday, V. And we will see you next week. 
uh, for free agent frenzy, as we're going to call it. We're going to just dive deep into the free agents and uh, who needs what and who's going where and a lot of guessing. And, uh, uh, we'll, yeah, a lot of guessing. We'll just put, leave it at that. So this has been the Roto Rob Fantasy Football Weekly plus ATS picks plus draft primer. Check us next week for free agent frenzy. You guys have a wonderful afternoon. And we will see you next week. All right. See you, buddy.